Welcome back to the Gobble Em Up podcast, an official podcast of the Fifth Quarter Network, presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Now, here's your host, Carter Hill and Lance Weller. And hello, Hokies, and welcome back to episode eight of the Gobble Em Up podcast, a part of the Fifth Quarter Sports Network and presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Do you need a car or Mazda? Head on over to Duncan in Blacksburg. I drive a Mazda around town. And I love it. So if you need a Mazda, take my word for it and head on over to Duncan and get you a Mazda over there. Whether you are listening to us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or any other platform, we thank you so much for joining us. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, go ahead and subscribe. And on Apple, go ahead and leave us a review. Subscribing is so, so important. You'll get notifications on your phone about new episodes. So make sure you do that so you don't miss any new episodes. Paul Duncan is our producer, Lance Weller is my co-host, and I'm Carter Hill, another co-host and contributor to Fifth Quarter. Remind us to follow us on Twitter, at FQGobbleMumUp is our podcast Twitter, at FQVirginiaTech is our main Fifth Quarter Virginia Tech Twitter. Lance's is at LanceWeller3, and mine is at CBHill underscore 3. So Lance, we got another week before Thanksgiving break. Last week you're in person here, that's going to be weird, but uh, how's your week been so far? Uh, it's been cold and windy. It's yeah. uh, miserable up here right now. It's uh, pretty raw. I can hear the wind outside my room every morning when I wake up. So it's, uh, well, I try to get out of bed, but the wind is just, it's hard to get up when you're hearing wind outside your room. But uh, just, you know, another another long week. Yeah, yeah. It's, I and mean, we can hear the wind outside right now. It's shaking shaking the building we're in right now. I mean, it's it's been a windy week in Blacksburg, chilly. I, I'm regretting wearing wearing shorts today that's for sure but um yeah i mean it's a it's a tougher week because you know virginia tech they they dropped a we pretty painful bed again yeah they, they dropped a, a pretty painful one to miami last week 25 to 24 uh, you don't you don't see many scores like that one point victory lance i kind of want to get your just your first breaking thoughts over virginia tech miami what okay I, I should rephrase that what was going through your mind after the final whistle blew on saturday um I guess frustration is the word I've used a lot of times this year on this podcast. It feels like um, pain, a lot of pain, you know, just, and then I guess the third one would just be shock. I mean, I said to my friend Caleb, we were watching, I said, I guess when Miami scored to cut it to 24, 18 or 19 or 19, whatever it was, yep, yep. it's like, this is going to be, Notre, it's going to be last year, Notre Dame all over again. So, I mean, I guess, you know, we can't really be that surprised, but, just uh, felt like the old kind of end of the Beamer era play calling where we, uh, which, you know, I, again, I don't want to uh, discredit play calling that bad or anything, but it, overall it just felt like we played not to lose instead of trying to play to win the game down the stretch. We had we got the ball on our 40 and at midfield twice in the fourth quarter and went three and out, had to punt. We could have put the game away. Ups, we were up six at the time when we got the ball at those two points. Could have went in, made it up 14 or 12. I mean, I'm sure we would have went for two, but that would have basically iced the game. <sighs> Just frustrating. I mean, I feel bad for the players, too. They they played really hard, and, you know, it, it's tough, obviously, but it feels like they got let down by the coaching staff a little bit, which stinks. But um, and I'm sure the coaches feel that way, too. I mean, at least some of them do, but defense played really well. That was bright spot. Taylor and I was really happy to see Dax had a really good game. That was I was happy for him. Uh, he's 
obviously a fan favorite, one of my favorite players, so that was cool. Uh, Herbert seems to be getting back a little more into shape. Holston, uh, is happy to see him get some carries. He looked really good. Uh, I guess he looks better than Blackshear in the backfield, which – uh, I don't know if Blackshear's still been battling that ankle issue all year too. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't I think that may be nagging him, but yeah. Um Blackshear punt returning. Uh I mean I guess we didn't fumble it at all, but he seemed to let some balls bounce that we could have caught. I don't know. It's just, you know, frustrating game. Credit to Miami though. I mean they, they fought back and a lot of Miami teams in the past it seems like would have laid down and quit, but Yeah. Good teams when they came game. back. Yep. Yep, good teams win that game. And before we kind of move on through the play-by-play, I, I want to kind of touch on the points you had talked about. The first thing that kind of stood out to me was, in my opinion, it's it's been a common theme this year. But when we go up, it's not like we stop playing offensively, but we stop playing the game that has got us to where we, we are. It's weird how, like, this past week, you know, when we were running Herbert and Blackshear towards the end of the game in Holston, it seemed we were getting five, six yards of carry, but I mean, it just when we get the ball and we're back up, we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing. You know, we get the ball at midfield and we take a shot deep, or like even even when we went down a point, you know, the moment that yeah, first of all, when Miami scored with six minutes left, I honestly thought that we were going to get on a score. Miami was going to get the ball back with like a minute left, if if that, because I thought we were going to just run the ball. They couldn't really stop our run game in the second half. I just I just thought we'd just run the ball right through them and run run down the field and end up scoring and you know obviously that didn't happen but I just was really confused to see why we we threw the ball deep I mean obviously it's easy to question because it didn't work out but to throw the ball deep forty yards on the first play when we got six minutes left in the game double coverage I I just wasn't a huge fan of that I just there's no need to get away from our run game with Khalil Herbert. And I know he's limited, but he he still was able to get some some big carries. But I mean, we dominated the first three quarters. I mean, we we handed it to him the first three quarters. I mean, we we played well and played to our potential. And then the fourth quarter, we just it's almost like we didn't get conservative enough. I mean, we throwing the ball deep, and I mean, like you said, letting a a punt bounce where I mean, we fair catch it. I I understand we'd fumbled the ball the week prior. You know, I'd rather us let it go and then fumble it obviously but yeah. you know I, I fair catch it at their own tw- our own 25 instead of letting it bounce to their own our own 10 so um, but those are just nitpicky things but no I, I was just very confused to see some of the things we did and obviously I mean Miami's a very good football team and losing to a top 10 team it shouldn't really be shameful but I mean the way yeah, Virginia lost, Tech lost yeah. the game I mean I mean we controlled the game until the fourth quarter and you know Credit to Miami. They battled back. Um, like you said, Virginia Tech's defense, arguably, in my opinion, that was Virginia Tech's defense best game of the year. For sure. Which – Five really, sacks. Right. Right, yeah, yeah. We just went right through Miami's offensive line. Derek King is an elusive, explosive quarterback. We were able to get to him. He was able to run the ball a couple of times, but, you know, that's expected. You're going to get that some. But, no, best game easily so far this year for Virginia Tech's defense, and that was very encouraging to see. Um, if they if they play that way against Pitt this weekend, I, I think Virginia Tech will win. That will be another discussion for later. But, I mean, no, I mean, we started off. They faked the field goal. We get the ball, and Hendon Hooker with the great fake on the read option goes. Which, I'm sorry, but why, if you want to go for that there, Manny Diaz, 
just send the offense out. Our fourth down defense is terrible on the year. I mean, I don't understand. What right, right. No, I was thinking that then. I was like, I was like, are they going to fake this field goal? And it's just that was that was over coaching. But anyway, fifty three yards to the house. Miami comes back with a field goal. Jalen Holston, like you said, really happy to see him kind of get involved. Eight yards for the touchdown. Virginia Tech's then up 14-3. You're feeling pretty good throughout the second quarter. To Miami's credit, they go right down the field, score 10 plays and 84 yards. Derek King caps it off with a 10-yard touchdown run. Um, I believe they converted a third down the play before they hit a long pass play. Um, Miami gets a field goal before the half. It's 14-13. We head in the half. Virginia Tech's actually feeling pretty good. We start off the third quarter. Virginia Tech drives on the field. Quincy Patterson gets into the game. He's mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to that QB package all year long. We finally got to see it. Jalen Holston punches it in. They had the he had the power run before. I mean, I, this arguably may have been Jalen Holston's best game in his Virginia Tech career, um, which you know he's inconsistently played and he's been hurt, but uh, you know he's he was heavily involved back in 2018. Um, Brian Johnson knocked knocked through a field goal. Made it 24-13 with 6-14 left in the third quarter. And, you know, that that was it for Virginia Tech. I mean, Miami went down the field, had a long drive, scored. Cameron Harris had a touchdown run. And and they, you know, they tried to trick play with the throwback to the offensive lineman on the two-point conversion. I mean, Good like you said, Dax, Dax, too, Dax yeah. stopped both two-point conversions. Yeah. Um, he stopped the one in the fourth quarter, too, after the after the touchdown, 36-yard touchdown pass. And um, he broke up a pass there and kept it at 25-24. I mean, the defense played well enough to win the game. They gave Virginia Tech every chance they could have possibly wanted to win the game. The offense just not, – not that they couldn't get it done, but we just couldn't make a play when we needed to offensively towards the end of the game. And, it, you know, it, it's frustrating to see, but it is what it is. Um, Hendon Hooker Hendon Hooker keeps playing very, very solidly. He went 19 for 29 with 202 yards. He threw that interception. Um, it was hard for me to tell if it was just a bad throw or it was they read the route wrong or something like that. Um, it was behind him, but it almost seems like he was supposed to veer. He yeah. veered off the wrong way. Um, but here's the problem too. I know we said Virginia Tech was they had a good game running the ball, but when Hendon Hooker's your leading rusher at 59 yards, stop running Hooker on third and six. Yeah, yeah, no, there, there is definitely some questionable third down uh, play calls. I mean, calls. I understand the logic there of you know it's four. Maybe third and short, right? third and short too. I mean, understand running with. I just don't understand the hooker run on third and six. I understand if you want to get try to get at least three yards on third down, just run it with Holston or um, when it Herbert. Gets- they haven't stopped it all day. Just, just run it with them, not Hooker. He's just going to get beat up again. He got drilled on that play on third and six, like lit up. It's just, you know, I don't know. It's frustrating, but yeah, I mean, I've never seen the Virginia Tech fan base in this much of a, a turmoil. I know Hezekiah Grimsley, a former Virginia Tech receiver, came on Twitter and said Brad Cornelson should have never been the offensive coordinator. Which I mean, I'm not involved in the program, so I, yeah. Which I mean, our terrible. offense is produced this year, so I, you know, whatever you think what you want about Cornelson, but if you look at the advanced stats, you know, throughout the nation, so if I, our offense is overall played very very well this year i mean we didn't score when we needed to on saturday and you can you know have a gripe with them here and there on play calling but overall our offense is produced this year so yeah i mean i mean we put up 40 plus on boston college state carolina boston college I mean, win. that's that's no joke yeah. either boston college has looked pretty solid this year i mean wake i mean the, that loss looked bad at the time they've looked better they probably should have beat north carolina last week yeah but i mean Got a lot of questions. I'm kind of scrolling through on Twitter here, and I mean, personally, 
I'm going to get this straight. Like Justin Fuente is not going to, they're not going to get rid of Justin Fuente this year and just, they're not going to be able to afford it. So, I mean, it's just best for us to hope he turns it around. Um, someone asked, what's the counter argument for firing Fuente? What does he bring to the table? Um, I, I mean, I, you can say he has his struggles, but I mean, financially, I mean, Virginia Tech's got to be committed to him and uh, the players just, love him. It seems like, but he, he seems like a good strictly football coach. Like, I mean, we saw his first year here when he has the town in place, you know, and I mean, he took Clemson to the brink, you know, he, like he seems like a, a good football coach. It's just, I would love to see in the other areas, like fan engagement with the media, recruiting, obviously, like develop some more relationships and pick it up there, you know? I, right. Um, I'll, I'll veer away from coaching changes. Um, Someone, yeah, I mean, we don't want to speculate. Right, right. There's many, there's a lot of questions about Fuente replacements. Well, we won't go there until um, – Yes, if and when. Um, someone asked, why aren't we using Quincy Patterson to run the ball while we have so many injured? Uh, I don't know what he means by injured. But um, Quincy Patterson, I mean, I, from what Justin Fuente said in the weekly press conference, it seems like he's going to have a role going forward. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to see him do that. He's, you know, a dynamic, I guess you can call him back, although he's really not. He he got into some games as retro year 2018, obviously had the game against North Carolina. But no, it was good to see him get in the game for sure. Um, yeah, just, I mean, overall frustrating game, Virginia Tech-Miami. They drop a close one. Big picture, though, I mean, Virginia Tech, they're not going to beat Clemson most likely, but, I mean, if they can get Pittsburgh and Virginia and go six and five. It's probably not the year Virginia Tech fans want, but they they could end up in Jacksonville in the in the Gator Bowl, which would be a very good bowl and to we're be going at. If that happens. Oh, absolutely! We'll both be there. We'll have a live show. Rob DeSantis. <laughs> so we'll be in Florida if that's the case. Right now, a lot of people I have them in the Gator Bowl versus LSU. A lot of people have them in the Pinstripe Bowl, which is at Yankee Stadium, which no one would be able to go to that one. It, no one could go there though because of their their yeah. restrictions. But um, some had us in the Sun Bowl. I've I went to the Sun Bowl in 2013 when we played UCLA. And, um, El Paso was kind of a cool city, but um, it'd be interesting to go back. But we'll see. I mean, we got a, lot, a while left to go, and it's so hard to evaluate with the ACC playing 11 games and some conferences playing eight, some conferences playing six. Yeah. It's just it's gonna be hard to evaluate. But we'll, you know, we'll see. I mean, we probably gotta win what one more game to be able. To- yeah, I mean, obviously you want to get to six, but I mean, if they're five and six, I can't see a way Virginia Tech won't go to a bowl game with all the ACC tie-in bowls, yeah. and I, I, I think. But I mean, wow, what a disappointment five and six would be after everything this year. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, before we move on to this upcoming week, and before we talk about some other things with Pitt, I do want to give you a quick some quick stats about Miami. I heard this on Packer and Durham, and this is kind of the alarming stats that get me. Um, Virginia Tech in the last 10 years have only won one game at home over a ranked team. That was against Wake Forest last year. And the year. game we were favored in. Yeah. Um, one in 11 in the last 12 against top 10 teams, which, you know, like Mac, Mac, Mark Packer said, um, it's not shameful, shameful to lose to a top 10 team. But, you know, obviously when you have games like this, you want to close out. Um, none of those wins are under Justin Fuente. And then Virginia Tech, this is the one where, like, is Lane Stadium really the Terra Dome anymore? The Hokies are 26-17 and 17 at home since 2014. So average. So average. And for a place like Lane Stadium that's known as, you know, probably the second most intimidating atmosphere in the ACC, a top 10 atmosphere in the country, for a team to have – for Virginia Tech to be basically 660 
it's you know hopefully for better days ahead but i mean hopefully virginia tech can go up to pittsburgh and get a big win this week that's what we all hope for obviously um Obviously, we're all hoping for that. If Virginia Tech can go up there and they can beat Virginia, obviously, you, we have to beat Virginia. We have to beat Virginia. Um, some people will be very upset if we don't beat Virginia. And, you know, I think that'll give us something to salvage the season, hopefully get a, a good bowl game. Like I said, I'm hoping for Jacksonville because likely I will be in Jacksonville. So and bowl trips are always fun, even when it's a COVID year. So um, a quick a quick thing I want to talk about before we do move on, um, Jerry DiPaolo from um, – the Pittsburgh Tribune review is actually going to hop on with us in a few to discuss Virginia Tech pit football. I didn't go over the slate. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Miami. Um, He's going to join us to talk Virginia Tech pit football, preview that we're going to give our thoughts on the game, give our hidden gem for making our picks of the week. So Um, yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech basketball update, John, um, Rothstein, what's Rothstein? Rothstein. Rothstein. Yep, yep, yep. Rothstein, CBS Sports. Um, he reported a few few days ago that Virginia Tech is actually going to be playing Oregon up in the bubble yeah, in uh, in uh, in Connecticut, which will be a very fun game to watch. They've always had some good teams over the last few years, um, so that'll be a fun one to watch. Other NCAA basketball news: There's going to be a bubble. The whole NCAA tournament is going to be in a bubble, likely in Indianapolis. Um, they can host uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, the home of the Col- the Colts. The Pacers Arena, Butler, and IUPUI, um, they'll be able to host games, I'm assuming. I don't know if there'll be fans there, but I'm telling you, the hotels in Indianapolis are going to be making up for a lot of that lost revenue with 68 teams in one city. I can't I can't remember anything like that magnitude before. So um, that'll be interesting. But we'll have a Virginia Tech basketball preview actually for you next week because, you know, hoop season starts next week. Virginia Tech and Radford from an essentially – fanless castle coliseum on wednesday uh the day before thanksgiving um in case you missed it the virginia restrictions now say there can only be 250 inside castle coliseum so basically just game operations and a few parents so um you know i I get it but just disappointing for a virginia tech fan side but yeah virginia tech is gonna have a a cool little non-conference slate they're gonna get radford and then as of now it's it's been changing They'll go to Connecticut to face Temple, South Florida, Oregon before coming home. They face, I believe, VMI, Penn State as of now. I think they got Coppin State on there somewhere, Longwood, um, before they really dive into conference play. Maryland Eastern Shore. I know. (laughs) One in 11 Maryland Eastern Shore comes in here once every – it seems like every year. year. Well, Ace Custis was an assistant there for a while, and now he's over here. So, But – no, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hoop season. I don't know about you. We'll have a, a big I'm preview very podcast. Very much excited for basketball season. We'll have Go a Mike Young. We'll have a good Virginia Tech basketball preview, preview podcast. We're gonna have some good special guests on on for you the next couple of weeks. But Virginia Tech basketball basketball preview podcast. We don't know the date it's going to come out yet. Will likely be a special date because of Thanksgiving, and we want to get it out before the Radford game. Radford's had a solid program the last few years, but they lose a guy like Carly Jones who goes to Louisville. So that'll be an interesting game to watch for sure. So, with that, now that we've wrapped up Miami and talked about Virginia Tech basketball, we are now, let me pull up here. Jerry DePaula from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review is going to help preview Virginia Tech-Pittsburgh football in a couple minutes. Uh, he covers pit football up in Pittsburgh. We, I love going to Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll talk about those stories in a minute. But he's going to come up, come on in a minute. You're listening up to the Gobble'em Up podcast presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Oh. 
back here on the Goblin Podcast. We're now joined by Pittsburgh's Tribune Review, Jerry DePaula, to come preview Virginia Tech Pittsburgh football. He covers Pitt football. Jerry, thanks for coming on and uh, helping talk the game. Good evening. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. How are you? Thanks for coming on. All right, so with that, we just got a few questions for you. So as of the recording of this podcast, Tuesday night, what are the chances Virginia Tech-Pittsburgh actually play this weekend? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, you know, we thought Pitt was going to play Georgia Tech last Saturday, and we, we thought that as late as Thursday afternoon after we uh, talked to Pat Narduzzi at 1 o'clock, and he actually thought that game was going was to happen too. But then the tests start coming in. Some Pitt players, some Georgia Tech players, uh, must have got careless, and they testing positive uh, Georgia Tech had some other issues with injuries so they decided to postpone the game until December 12th now this game coming up here pit practice today and, and yesterday Pat Narduzzi talked to us he wasn't sure they would practice today it depends on their Sunday uh, COVID test which they took and they came out okay apparently and they were able to practice not sure how many players are going to be absent from the game there could be a few Pitts had, um, had, a, had a string of five consecutive games this season, they had zero absences because of COVID. They had seven, a total of seven in the first two. Then they had one in the Florida, for the Florida State game. So who knows how many they're going to have for this week. But I really think uh, it'll depend on the Wednesday test. They test Sunday, Wednesday, and even Friday. If the Wednesday tests come out okay, they'll be able to travel or be able to play the game, and Virginia Tech can come up. But then the Friday test is, is another issue, too. So we'll have to see how things go Friday. Pat Narduzzi. Talks all the time about waking up every Saturday morning, hooking at his phone, and hoping it's not bad news. Yeah, absolutely. It just kind of seems like that's the, the world we're living in. But um, before we get into this year's matchup, I know Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh have had some battles the last couple of years. Um, last year, Virginia Tech beat them 28 to nothing in Blacksburg. The year before, Pittsburgh ran for, I think, over 600 yards, beat them 52 to 22 up at Heinz Field. The year prior, you had the goal line stand. I just kind of get, want to get your overall thoughts. What are you expecting with the, the matchups this year? What type of game are you expecting? Well, it's going to be it's very interesting to see what kind of uh, effort or amount of production Pitt's going to get out of its running game. Uh, Pitt's got almost nothing from its running game all season. And if they can get things uh, going like they, were, like they did against Florida State, they, and it wasn't even that great against Florida State, uh, they had the longest run of the season against the Seminoles, 28 yards by Vincent Davis. That's the uh, shortest long run in the ACC this year, uh, 28 yards. And, and Pitt just hasn't been able to run the ball. So I'm expecting to see a game that could be uh, could be low scoring. I don't think Pitt's going to put up a lot of points. Virginia Tech, is its strength is at Khalil Herbert, the running back, who's second in the ACC in rushing with over 800 yards. But that's Pitt's uh, strength is, is stopping the run. So I, I'm looking for a game. If you've got to bet it, I bet, I'd bet the under. But I don't think uh, – because Pitt doesn't score a lot. Virginia, Virginia Tech gives up a lot of points, but I'm not sure with a with a weak running game that Pitt can take advantage of that. Yeah, especially coming off not much practice, uh, the under probably does sound like a good idea. Maybe be a hard fought, low scoring game. But uh, talk to me about Pitt's defensive line a little bit, if you could, please. Well, it started, started out in August. It was going to be pretty darn good, and then uh, Jalen Twyman, the preseason All American defensive tackle, I decided to opt out uh, first first weekend of practice in August, actually. He's been gone all year. Uh, two really good ends are going to get drafted in the NFL. Uh, Patrick Jones and uh, Rashad Weaver, uh, bookend uh, defensive ends, who get a lot of sacks, put a lot of pressure on a quarterback. Tough guys, good leaders, uh, smart guys. have been playing well all, all season long. Uh, in, inside a defensive tackle, they've been trying to make up for the loss of Twyman 
And they've done it with with a local guy, Devin Danielson, who went to Thomas Jefferson High School, one of the powerhouse high schools here in, in the Pittsburgh area, uh, who's been playing okay. Uh, and then the, the, the Keyshawn Camp, uh, veteran defensive tackle, has been hurt most of the season. So their defensive line, they have some depth there, at least they did before Twyman opted out, and they're trying to build up with some younger guys. Um, but uh, right now their defensive line has been is pretty good, mainly because they'll put a lot of pressure on the quarterback with those ends. Uh, so I know uh, Kenny Pickett's been out a couple games because of injury and stuff, but if you could use one word to describe his 2020 season so far, uh, what would that one word be and why? <laughs> one word would be tough to come up with. Um, <laughs> disappointing. Uh, you, you know, Pickett is a thir- th- three-year starting quarterback, came into the season with high expectations, opened the season with a three-game winning streak, then they lost four in a row, and he got hurt. He finished the Boston. He got hurt in the Boston College game, his ankle. But he finished it and did and did okay in that game. Ended up losing thirty-one thirty. But he didn't play the next two weeks against Miami uh, and uh, in Notre Dame. Uh, they had their backup quarterback in there, um, uh, Joe Yellen. And uh, so I think it's disappointing. I mean, you know, Pickett's a tough kid. He, he plays through pain. He's a good leader. Uh, he, he runs well when when his ankle is, is sound. And he actually ran for a touchdown in the Florida State game on on, on a bad ankle. Um, so I'd say it's a disappointing season, but also one that really exemplified his toughness and maybe endeared himself to some NFL people. So is he expected, I mean, just talking about his ankle, is he expected to be at a hundred percent this week? Well, I, I think he's going to be short of a hundred percent there. They, they, they're the pits reluctant to put a, a percentage on it. Uh, maybe 90, you know, you know, which isn't mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's point in the season, especially since he had a very severe ankle injury that kept him out of two games but he won't be 100 percent. but he was good enough to beat florida state uh whether he's good enough to beat virginia tech which is a much better team than florida state i'm not so sure yeah and then uh, another opt out you know you got a guy like paris ford that's gone now who oh, yeah. should we look for in the secondary to replace him and who is going to match up against guys for virginia tech like trey turner tavion robinson who should hokey fans look forward to seeing against those two receivers well, you know, it, it's it's strong safety, which Paris Ford was playing pretty well there for most of the season. Uh, Brandon Hill stepped in last week and got his first start. Uh, redshirt freshman. Uh, well, he was a redshirt freshman. Yeah, he's a redshirt freshman. Uh, not a very big guy, but he came up with the play of the game again in the Florida State game. Picked off a pass in the first half and, and uh, uh, set a pit for a touchdown. So Hill uh, is a tough guy, and then they keep talking about Oh, he likes he likes to come down and hit, and he's just like Paris Ford, and he can do the same kind of things uh, in in the defending against the run. But he's also inexperienced, so you got to watch out there because Pitt's going to have some inexperienced guys, at least one experienced inexperienced guy in their secondary who can make some plays. Who can probably make make plays against Florida State. Can he do the same against a Hooker? I'm not sure, uh, but the, the the best player in the secondary is probably Demar Hamlin, uh, the safety. Uh, Hamlin came back for a fifth season this year, uh, and Ford came back at the same time. Those guys were best buddies. They even did a video back in January uh, proclaiming their their uh, allegiance to Pitt and how they wanted to come back and do something special for this year's team. Then they end up uh, starting the season three and four, and um, Ford, Ford opts out. But Hamlin's a pretty good safety, a local kid from Central Catholic High School uh, who, who plays a very smart game. Uh, he'll probably be in the NFL, be drafted late maybe. Uh, by, by some team later or maybe a free agent uh, pickup later. Uh, but at, at cornerback, Pitts had some issues there too. Um, 
Damari Mathis, senior cornerback, got injured in a non-football-related injury in training camp or during training camp, and he's missed the entire season. That's a big loss. Uh, Jason Pinnock was playing pretty well most of the season, but he was kept out of the Florida State game for what we were told was a coach's decision, probably some kind of a suspension. Um, and then, you know, Pitt had to really do a little makeshift uh, uh, maneuvering in the secondary. They put a guy in, Eric Hallett, who plays safety and cornerback, who played pretty well against Florida State. Uh, but, but Pitt's secondary is going to miss Paris Ford because he makes plays. He's a hard hitter. He comes down and defends against the run, and he also brings a lot of energy to the team. He was the kind of kid that the rest of the guys would gravitate to. Now that he's gone, you know, Pitt loses a little bit as far as energy goes and enthusiasm in the back end of the defense. Yeah, and if I actually remember correctly, you may be able to correct me on this. Was Paris Ford ejected from the, the Virginia Tech game last year? I think he was the one thrown out for targeting in the second half. He was ejected from the Duke game, I thought, last year. The Duke uh, game? Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not um, sure if it was. Maybe it was Virginia Tech. I remember the hit you're talking about on Trey Turner, but I don't think they ruled it targeting. They didn't rule it targeting? Yeah, I don't think they okay. ruled it targeting. Um, <clears throat> and, and, that was a I, rainy day, I remember, Donovan. Oh, my gosh, yes. Horrible. It's it's. Yeah. Cold day too. Cold Very day. Cold. No, you have no idea what the weather's like here. Oh my gosh, it's windy, thirty-five degree. I mean, I'm sure it's cold up in Pittsburgh too. Same as up here. Oh uh, yeah, here. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's up in Pittsburgh too. But um, another question I want to ask you about the matchup for Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh. You know, you you had talked about Pittsburgh's running game has struggled so far this year. Um, I, I watched a little bit their condensed game against Florida State. They seem to kind of get a little bit going there. But um, you know, that you had a guy like Darren Hall the last few years, and you know. What's going on with Pitt's run game? Why, you know, what's what's going on there, I guess, is the question I'm well, trying to ask. I think the, the main thing is they just haven't recruited well enough on the offensive line and at running back to be able to put those kind of uh, playmakers in there. Uh, they're starting now two Davis guys. They're not related. Vincent Davis, a sophomore, plays most of the time, and A.J. Davis, the senior, is his backup. Uh, and they're, they're nice backs. Vincent Davis has some nice moves. He had that 28-yard run against Florida State, which is Pitt's longest run of the season. Um, but they're very unspectacular um, running back. They've been injured, too. A.J. Davis has been hurt. Um, Todd Sibley, uh, a junior running back, has been hurt a part of the season. Daniel Carter, another guy they were high on, a redshirt freshman, has been hurt part of this season. Uh, Vincent Davis, the only one who's been healthy. He's only five foot eight, 175 pounds, though. So he's not the kind of guy that can carry the ball 20, 25 times. Uh, kind of back to the, you know, Pat Narduzzi looking for in a James Conner mold. That hasn't happened since Conner left after the 16th season. Uh, but then the offensive line has been a bunch of guys who try hard, uh, led by led by all, all ACC center Jimmy Morrissey, came to Pitt as a, as a walk-on uh, several years ago, and, and all of a sudden he became a starter his second year on campus. He's been a starter for three, three seasons now. Very good player. He'll probably play in the NFL. And uh, he uh, he's the leader of that gang on the offensive line. But the other guys, you know, it's not so much that they're young because a lot of them played last year. They just haven't been able to get any movement. Uh, they're, they're just not moving the uh, pile very well. Uh, Pitts had lots of problems for the last two years, actually, uh, in, in, on short, in short yardage. Remember the 2019 Penn State game uh, where Pitt was down by, by a touchdown late in the game and they needed – uh, one yard, fourth and one, and Pat Narduzzi decided to kick a field goal, which he missed, uh, instead of going for the touchdown because he didn't have any faith in his short yardage game. And it's the same thing for most of the, most of the season as uh, happened here in, in 2020, although they 
mixed it up a little bit in the Florida State game. They brought in their backup quarterback when they got down inside the five-yard line, uh, Nick Batty, and they used him as sort of a wildcat kind of thing where he took a snap and shotgun formation and ran for two touchdowns in short yardage uh, instead of handing off and worrying about the, uh, the backs not, not being able to move the pile. The quarterback with a little head start coming out of shotgun, shotgun formation scored twice in that game, which is a big part of that game. Yeah, absolutely. And then kind of a two-part question before we close it out. Overall, uh, I know I kind of asked you what you're expecting, but how does how do you think Pittsburgh matches up against Virginia Tech? I know you st- talked about struggling versus the run, and then if we could get uh, some sort of pick, or even if you can't pick a prediction out of you, we'd love to hear it. Well, I'm not sure Pitt <clears throat> matches up that well against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech would probably give up some yardage. Maybe Kenny Pickett might be able to throw it a little bit, but uh, I-, I think unless Pitt can stop the run, and their, their, and their linebackers have been playing real well. And one guy I haven't mentioned you guys should keep an eye on is uh, an outside linebacker, number 32, Servassier Dennis, uh, sophomore, who's been playing really, really well. Uh, as a backup, he doesn't even start most of the time, but he, he gets in the game almost the whole time. And he's one of the leaders in the country and tackles for a loss. And he's a guy that will be very important uh, in stopping, uh, stopping Herbert, Virginia Tech running back. So I think that will be the key. Is, is Pitt can, can stop Herbert and and not be able to um, – if Virginia Tech is not able to run the ball, Pitt has a good chance to win. But I just I just think that uh, with Pitt's you know, situation in the running game and Kenny Pickett on a bad ankle, um, the wide receivers are kind of inconsistent, uh, other than Jordan Addison, the freshman uh, from Maryland. Um, if I were to make a pick, I would take Virginia Tech because I'm just not real high on Pitt right now. Uh, maybe something like 24-21 uh, Hokies. Yeah, I definitely think that's a fair pick there. Well, thanks so much for coming on. That's Jerry DePaulo from the Pittsburgh Tribune Tribune Review. I can't talk today, so I apologize. But from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, thanks so much for coming on. Have a great rest of your night. And by the way, I'm sorry I misspoke. It's not Virginia Tech. As you guys know, it's VPI, right? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on. Have a good rest of your night. Okay, thank you, guys. And a big thanks to Jerry DePala, who writes for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review covering tech football. I hope I didn't pronounce his Pit name. Pit football. Pit, what did I say? You said tech football. Oh, Pit football. Pit football, yeah. Well, that's going to lead right into the next thing I was about to say. I hope I didn't mispronounce his name earlier. But, yeah, he covers Pit football for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. So thanks so much for coming on to him to help talk about the game. We even learned a lot. Um, I want to even – I want to kind of – put the finishing touches on Virginia Tech Pittsburgh. Hopefully they can get a big win for the Hokies. That is get a big win this weekend. Both teams are four and four. They're kind of reeling. Both fan bases seem to want their head coaches out. Um, seems a little more realistic for Pitt, but I don't even think that's going to happen. But um, yeah, big, big game this weekend. Yeah. I hate Pat Narduzzi. I mean, hopefully he'll uh, throw some timber tantrums on Saturday. It's always entertaining. So, uh, I don't like Pitt. They always seem to be talking crap, and you know it was nothing to show for it. Yeah, it was fun to kill them last year. Uh, Like I said, I don't like Pat Narduzzi, so I hope we go up there and kill them. Yeah, like we talked about with Jerry, they they've had some battles the last few years since Fuente got here. They had that thirty-nine to thirty-six game uh, where they won Thursday night at Heinz Field. Twenty seventeen, Lance and I were in Blacksburg together. Well, we're you know we're in Blacksburg, but we were at the game together. Um, watching the Hokies, the goal line stand game. That's crazy. Uh, that was crazy. We went down after the game. I, I got like tons of gloves. I got a glove from Terrell Edmonds. And yeah, that was a fun day. 
Yeah, that, that was fun. Actually, Tremaine Edmonds, who, man, confusing a lot of stuff today. But, you know, we deal with it. You know, he covers pit football, not tech football, pit football. Um, yeah, but I got a lot of gloves. Uh, I think I got some from Greg Stroman after the game. Um, I think I got uh, who else did I get? Josh Jackson's towel. That, that, I mean, that they had like the – I think you got to try Devin Hunter's helmet on after that course, game. You got yeah. the white, the white VT helmet, and the oh, yeah. I got, I, I, I got Tremaine's gloves. I do remember that. Um, so yeah, that 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 was fun. But uh, I think Terrell, Terrell left at that point, hadn't he? No, 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 no. That was his. That was the last year. That was the last year. Yeah, because he was on that 2017 with the camping at the Camping World Bowl. So um, yeah, 2017, 2018. Oh, nightmare game. <laughs> I was in Pittsburgh for that one. Um, like I told him, I told Jerry, I love going to Pittsburgh. It's a really cool city. Got to, got to get the Permenti Bros up there. It's so good with the fries topped over the salad. Um, went up to Pittsburgh for that one. It was a snowy 20 degree game. Ryan Willis was our quarterback that game. We lost 52 to 22, gave up like 630 something rushing yards. They ran all over us. It was the, um, it was the signature game where Caleb Farley was stiff armed at towards the end of the game with like eight minutes left. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, was a brutal game. That was a brutal game. We lost but I can't I can't remember a game like that. We lost by thirty up in Pittsburgh. Last year we kind of returned the favor, beat them twenty eight to nothing. Which was uh, coldest, like you said, coldest game. Yeah, ever. cold it was cold, muggy, foggy, rainy. Rainy, yeah. It was a day game, so it was it was a three thirty game. Four, four something like that. Because I, I thought it was like dark at the end of the game, yeah. but no, yeah, that, but twenty to nothing was a select fest. That was Bud Foster's last home game, actually at Virginia Tech. Um, he was honored against Wake Forest the week prior, but um, that was that was a fun one. But uh, yeah, definitely got some interesting pit stories. So hopefully we can get the job done this weekend. Um, right now it looks like they're going to play, so hopefully they continue that trend, and Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh are able to lay down on the gridiron uh, at four o'clock on the ACC network. I think they have ten percent capacity at Heinz Field, so some sort of crowd. Up there. I wish I was going, but unfortunately, COVID and I'm not. All right, now it's time for our hidden gems presented by Beats by Georgia. You can find her on Instagram at Beats by Georgia. Shoot her a DM if you want some earrings, necklaces, any type of jewelry. Tell her we sent you, she'll give you free shipping. So make sure to take advantage of that great deal if you're looking for any Christmas gifts or any type of gifts overall. Let me update you some on some standings before we move on towards our hidden gem. Lance and I are still tied at four. We missed both badly last week. Well, Lance didn't miss badly. I missed badly. I picked <laughs> picked Army again outright against Tulane, and Tulane absolutely blew him out of the water. Army had two trick plays. They just completely botched. They had the trickery on the on the kickoff where they tried to throw backwards, and Tulane recovered. So Andrew Allegretta, our announcer, I'm sorry. So I missed last week. You picked Pac-12 after dark, Washington, Oregon State. I think you picked Oregon State outright. They didn't win. So we're both four and four. Hidden gym time. Going to redeem yourself this week. Go ahead, Lance Weller. The App State Mountaineers, five-and-a-half-point underdogs, Coastal Carolina. I don't know why App State's going to beat them. They have not looked very good. Coastal Carolina has looked good, but App State should never be an underdog to Coastal Carolina in football. I don't care how good either team is. So I'm going to go App State to win outright. All right. I'm going to go Abilene Christian in Virginia. Uh, one and four, Abilene Christians traveling as a fill-in game to Virginia. I think the Cavaliers are going to be, it's minus 39 and a half for the Cavaliers. So I think they, uh, 
Abilene Christian is going to going to cover that one, and that's going to be a little bit slimmer of a margin than people think. Maybe maybe slightly like thirty eight, but maybe Virginia's off to a slow start, and Abilene Christian is able to 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 score a few points off of them and make it a little bit closer than the experts think. So I'm going to go to Charlottesville for Virginia and Abilene Christian. Coming up next, we're going to make our picks of the week with Dan from ACC Content. Let me update you on some standings with that one. Last week, we had some COVID cancellations, so we only had 10 games. I went 7-3, and three, Lance and our guest picker, um, which was Shaler from fifth quarter in college football home. They went 5-5, five and five, so I, I they, they're they falling behind a little bit again. I'm four games up on the second place. So the overall standings, Carter, I, I'm up. I, I have a record of 54-27. and 27. Our guest picker has a combined record of 50 and 31, and Lance is six games back in first place at 48 and 33. So rough week after two straight weeks in first place. So hopefully right. you can get that going this week. It's all right. Get that going. I mean, I, I'd much rather pick Virginia Tech to lose than they lose the game, so, or if they win the game. I never pick against them, though, on um, my, my picks online. But, yep, so Dan's going to come on. He's going to make some picks of the week with us. You're listening to the Gobble Up Podcast presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Back here on the Gobble em Up podcast, we're pleased to be joined by Dan from ACC Content. Dan, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm Dan, eight from uh, ACC Content on Twitter at AC Content underscore. Um, big ACC guy, obviously, and I am also a part of the Just Means Less ACC podcast. I um, always have our most recent episode as my pinned tweet, so you guys could check that out we're on apple Podcasts now we're working on google Podcasts, but um yeah thank you for having me on oh absolutely yeah thanks for coming on we'll jump right into it now 12 games 12 picks let's start it with the with the group of five cincinnati traveling to the bounce house to face the ucf knights lance we'll let you pick this one first uh i saw this game open as a pick em, uh on twitter on sunday which was weird to me and i guess I saw last night on Twitter that's moved to Cincinnati minus five. I don't know what it is now, but I would assume it's gotten even bigger. But I'm going to go Cincinnati big. I think they're really good, and uh, they're legit. And UCS having a bit of a down year, so Cincinnati big. Dan, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I'm kind of shocked that the spread is this low. Um, I mean, UCF lost to the two best – I mean, Georgia Tech they played, but the two best conference in-conference teams they played in Tulsa and Memphis. So – um. I think, yeah, Cincinnati should win this one fairly easily. They've basically blown out everyone on their schedule, including SMU. So I'm confident yeah. in Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati looks like a runaway freight train. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, the UCF quarterback, has looked pretty solid this year. But Desmond Ritter, he looks even better. So I'm going to go to the Bearcats. All right, into the Big Ten. We got two huge matchups in the Big Ten. We'll start off with a top 10 one. Ninth ranked, yes, you heard that right, and it's not basketball. Ninth ranked Indiana Hoosiers travel to Columbus to face the Ohio State Buckeyes. Dan, I'll let you pick this one first. Yeah, um, so I'm a big Indiana guy, but I can't pick against Justin Fields and Ohio State. Um I think there's a pretty significant gap between the top teams in the country and then that 7 to 10 range, and especially Ohio State and Alabama. I think they stand out as really elite teams. So give me Ohio State. I'm going to go Ohio State, too. Uh, big. I think they're going to be in by 30-plus. I mean, Indiana is a very fraudulent – what are they, 3-0 and now? Or 4-0? 3-0? 3-0 Penn State? Yeah, 3-0. 3-0. Very fraudulent 3-0. So I'm going to go Ohio State by 30-plus. 
Yeah, I'm going to go Ohio State too. I think Indiana is a solid football team, but I, I just don't think they've been fairly tested yet. I don't think Penn State's horrible, but I just don't think they've been fairly tested. So I'm going to give the Buckeyes at home. Can't go against Justin Fields. All right, like I said, another big one in the Big Ten. Northwestern traveling to Wisconsin to face the Badgers. Dan, I'll let you pick this one first. Yeah, I'm going to go with Northwestern, actually. Um, I think they have a very strong secondary, and they could contain Graham Mertz, who has come back down to earth in his second game. Um, I worry about the offense a little bit, but I've always been a fan of Peyton Ramsey, so give me Northwestern in a pretty low-scoring one. Uh, I'm going to go Wisconsin here. I think another fraudulent 3-0 team. I mean, Northwestern's having a good year. They're pretty good, but I just think Wisconsin's too much at the end of the day. So I'm going to go with the Badgers. I'm going to go Wisconsin too. Like you said, I mean, Graham Mertz kind of came down to earth, but his team still won 49-11. to So I, I got to go Wisconsin. I think Northwestern's a solid football team under Pat's, Pat Fitzgerald. They're vastly improved this year. But honestly, I just can't go against the Badgers at home. All right, and in the Pac-12, our lone game out west. UCLA, Chip Kelly, former coach of the Ducks, is traveling up to Eugene to face his former team. Lance, I'll let you pick this one first. Uh, impressive win for UCLA on Sunday, beating Cal, I guess. But uh, I'm going to have to go Oregon. They struggled with Washington still a little bit this past weekend, but I just think they'll have too much talent for UCLA. So I'm going to go with Oregon. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Um, I mean, they, they looked a little bit shaky last week, and UCLA's one loss to Colorado doesn't look that bad, but I think they're much more talented, so give me the Ducks. Oregon, yeah. Um, I've made the argument the whole time. I don't think Oregon, even 7-0, and should be in the college football playoff. But, I mean, look, I mean, UCLA is still in the rebuilding stages, and they just have yet to get it going. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Oregon. All right, Big 12, big one, Bedlam in Norman, Oklahoma. Okie State traveling to face the Sooners. Dan, I'll let you go ahead and pick this one first. Yeah, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Um, I don't think this will be your classic Big 12 super high-scoring game. Believe me, there will be some scoring. But, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Spencer Rattler. As long as he can take care of the ball, the Sooners should be fine. And they've been, they haven't been awful against the run this year, so they might be able to contain – um chuba hubbard as well which would be pretty big yeah i'm gonna go oklahoma too i think they're gonna win big uh they've been playing really good football last few weeks ever since they beat texas they blew out texas tech and i mean they blew out kansas too which it's kansas but still uh i'm gonna go oklahoma big yeah i'm gonna go oklahoma too um like you said i just think lincoln riley um, Spencer Rattler, they're just going to be way too much. And uh, it just the brand name Oklahoma over, over Oklahoma State seems right, so i got to go the Sooners. And a quick correction I want to make um, from earlier. I think we said Northwestern was 3-0. They're 4-0, but nevertheless, we all went Wisconsin except for Dan. He did go Northwestern. All right, next game in the Big 12, Kansas State traveling to Iowa State. Kansas State had a strong start to the season, have kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, Lance, I'll let you go ahead and pick this one. Uh, Iowa State, Matt Campbell, baby. Finished the season strong before he's off to Ann Arbor, Michigan at the end of the year. But uh, wow. I'll, go, I'll go Matt Campbell and Iowa State. Yeah, me too. Um, Brees Hall has been phenomenal. I'm still a Brock Purdy believer. Um, so give me Iowa State simply because I think their offense will be too much to handle. Yeah, Iowa State, they, they look good. Um, I don't know if he's going to Michigan or not, but I think – Iowa State's going to get the win over the Wildcats at home. 
All right, into the SEC. We've had some down weeks in the SEC the last few weeks. This is kind of a downer game, although Arkansas is kind of on the rise. The reason I picked this one, LSU-Arkansas to pick. This game, according to Brett McMurphy, has the highest swing of a spread between consecutive years in back to in college football history. Last year, LSU was a 42-point favorite against Arkansas. This year, Arkansas is pa- favored as of this moment of recording the podcast by a point and a half. So I thought that was a very interesting statistic. But LSU, Arkansas, Dan, I'll let you pick this one first. Yeah, um, like I agree. Like obviously before the year, I would have been like, why are we bothering to pick this game? But it'll be much closer than we thought. Um, Arkansas has a stronger resume, but I'm going to go with LSU because I think their pass rush will really, really dominate that Arkansas offensive line. Um, Felipe Franks has taken three or more sacks in every game this year, except for one. Uh, LSU is a mess. So woo pig suey. Yeah, this one's kind of a toss up for me, but my gut says LSU is going to get it done. So I'm going to go the Tigers. That's all I got to say about it. All right, last one in the SEC, Tennessee traveling to Jordan Hare to face Auburn. Dan, I'll also let you pick this one first. Yeah, I think Auburn has uh, much more to offer on both sides of the ball. Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz are fantastic receiving cores. So give me the Tigers, also pretty big. Uh, yeah, Auburn, very big. Tennessee's a mess. Holy cow, they, I, I, yeah, they're a mess, so Auburn. Yeah, Auburn, Auburn. They're, they've started to hit their stride, so Auburn. All right, into the ACC. Dan, this is your expertise, so we're here. Friday night lights in Louisville, Syracuse, and the Cardinals. Lance, I'll let you pick this one first. Uh, I saw Hawkins opted out, so that's not great for Louisville, but I'm still going to go Louisville. Syracuse is just so bad, so Louisville. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Um, both teams have basically nothing to offer record-wise, but – I still think when I'm watching on a week-to-week basis, the Cardinals are a better team. Um, obviously, you mentioned Hawkins opting out. Not sure about the deal with Tutu Atwell, but I think either way, the card should come up on top. Yeah, Louisville, like you said, I mean, losing Javion Hawkins is going to be big, but it's not going to matter against Syracuse. And, and Lance and I saw how good Javion Hawkins was firsthand in Louisville when he went off for the 90-yard touchdown run, but, you know. We'll save that conversation for a later date. But no, yeah, I'm going to go Louisville still, even without Javion Hawkins. All right, another one in the ACC. This one's kind of interesting. Wake Forest traveling to Durham to face Duke. Dan, I'll let you pick this one first. All right, so um, yeah, I'm definitely going to go with Wake. Um, I think their offense is just phenomenal and basically every asset. All Duke has really to offer on defense is good defensive front, but Wake is pretty solid up front on their offensive line. So give me Wake. Um by at least a couple scores. Yeah, I'm going to go Wake too big. I don't understand this line either. I think when I saw on Sunday, it was at like four and a half maybe. That doesn't make sense to me. If you look at Wake there, I mean, their three losses are State, NC State, Clemson, and Carolina. And their State and Carolina were basically toss-ups, came down to the very end, and then obviously Clemson was tough. But I think they're a lot better than people think they are, so I'm going to go Wake big. Yeah, I think Wake Forest is not a bad football team at all. I mean, I don't think the loss that Virginia Tech had in Winston-Salem is as bad as it, lo- as it looked then. I don't understand the lines either, but I, I guess it's because it's a COVID year and they're still traveling on the road. But, yeah, I think Wake Forest is going to win big. Duke has just si- showed no signs of life other than their big win against you know, Charlotte, but I'm going to go Wake. All right, this one's maybe the game I'm most looking forward to other than the, the Virginia Tech game. Undefeated Liberty is looking to go 3-0 in the ACC in Raleigh to face the NC State Wolfpack, the 22nd-ranked Flames. 
Dan, I'll let you pick this one first. Yeah, um, I might be a little bit showing my ACC bias here, but I'm going to go NC State. I did pick Syracuse and Virginia Tech both to beat Liberty, and neither happened. But I think NC State is better than both of those teams, even with Bailey Hockman. I mean, Hockman's a game manager, but he has phenomenal talent around him. And the NC State defense has been solid. So um, give me NC State in a very much a nail-biter. Yeah, I've uh, been trying to explain to my state buddies this week that Liberty is not very good. Tech made them look good, but they're not good. I think State's going to beat them pretty bad and put Liberty in their place. Uh, Bailey Hockman's not great, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, they're going to kill Liberty, I think. Paul just said nope in the background. But um, yeah, I'm going to go NC State too. I think Liberty is a very solid football team, but in my opinion, they're not a top. I had them ranked based on their, you know, their eight and out, but they're not a top 25 talented football team in the country. And I think NC State's going to show that this weekend. All right, our, our game. Here we go. Lance, I'll let you pick this one first. Virginia Tech traveling to Pittsburgh, four o'clock ACC network. Let it roll. Pitt wins 100 to nothing. That's my official pick. All right, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Dan. All right. Um, I don't think either fan base will be really devastated if I pick against them. That's the funny thing about these two teams. But I'm actually going to go Virginia Tech. I mean, you could give the argument about how uh, Pitt is – or how Virginia Tech has sort of um, given up on the season, at least their fan base has. But, I mean, Pitt has been exactly the same way. I think Virginia Tech has um, – a little bit more to offer, but I'm not really confident in either of these two teams. I mean, before the year, I would be thinking about this matchup as a a marquee matchup that could decide the second team in the championship game. But I think between these two four and four teams, Virginia Tech will win. Yeah, I mean, I like you've for anyone that's listened to the podcast throughout throughout. I have not been biased toward Virginia Tech in my picks at all. Um, yeah, Lance has been. Um, I picked Miami to win. I picked, I believe, I picked North Carolina to win. Um, but I don't know. I mean, my gut says this week, I think Virginia Tech's going to go up there and get a win. I think, you know, they're not going to lose three straight games. I think, you know, Pittsburgh's a solid team with Kenny Pickett, but uh, I can see Virginia Tech showing some deficiencies against, or showing, exposing Pitt's deficiencies this week with uh, the, the Hokies defensive line. So, I mean, I, I'm going to go Virginia Tech in a close one. I think they are going to get the win up in the Seal City um, and pull out one to go back over 500 at 5-4. Five and four. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go the Hokies. But that's going to be it for our Picks of the Week. Thanks so much to Dan for ACC content for coming on to pick some games. Dan, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And a big thanks to Dan from ACC Content for hopping on to help pick some games. We look forward to keeping track of our totals and sharing them as we go forward. Again, I'm up six games on Lance and four games at second place. The guest picker is second place, and they're down four games. So um, we look forward to continuing that and looking forward to see where that ends up as the season progresses forward. Especially with basketball season coming up next week, we, we got a lot to look forward to. But Lance, before we close it out, what's your weekend slate? Of course, we got... Um... Indiana, Ohio State, big noon Saturday oh, yeah. uh, uh, at noon on Saturday. This should be pretty good. Friday night, if you want to watch two uh, of the worst ACC teams, you Syracuse can watch Louisville. Syracuse, Louisville. Have fun with that. I will not be partaking in that. 
playing golf. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 3.30, Northwestern. Wisconsin should be a really good one in the Big Ten. Um, and I mean, at four, if you're into being tempted to pull your hair out for three and a half hours, then go ahead and, and turn on the ACC Network and watch the Virginia Tech-Pittsburgh game. 7.30, Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit on the call. It's where college game day is. Should be a good game. And then 10.30, we have Pac-12 after dark. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, let me pull oh, it up. Man. Let me pull it up. <laughs> let me pull it up. It's, um, it is. Oh, it's. it's it, no, it's Stanford, Washington State at 11. So, and you got USC, Utah at 10.30. So, whichever, yeah, yeah, there's. It's, whichever Pac 12 after dark game interests you. That's what I was about to say. There, there's two games now. They got the 10.31 on yeah. ESPN, 11 on Fox. I stayed up until 2.30 in the morning to watch Washington, Sweet, Oregon yeah. State. But, yeah, as far as. As far as we go moving forward, basketball-wise, I'm looking forward. I'll, next week I'll be reporting on um, – this week I'm actually going to be attending the ACC Media Day for all 15 of the basketball coaches in the ACC. So tell you how that goes. I'm actually meeting with the ACC basketball and anal- analyst for the ACC Network um, later this week as well. So who season's right around the corner. Lance, I'll see you in January. Going home for yeah, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yes, sir. Um, we'll we'll be continuing the podcast virtually. Paul, you know, Paul and I are still in Blacksburg. Um, I'm going to see some family next week for Thanksgiving, socially distant, of course, and being careful, small groups. Um, so I'll, I'll be across the state in Williamsburg, Virginia, all next week. Uh, we'll have an early podcast next week. We'll we'll keep you updated on the date, but we'll have an early podcast because of Thanksgiving and basketball season right around the corner. So. That's about it for us. Paul, he's over there in the disc. I don't even know where he went, but Paul's always going somewhere. I think he's going to Wake Forest later this week to look at something for college. So we will continue to keep you updated. Virginia Tech football, Virginia Tech basketball. It's all here at Fifth Quarter Virginia Tech Goblin Up Podcast. Big thanks to our title sponsor, Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. Beats by Georgia sponsors the Hidden Gem. Paul Duncan is our producer. The great Lance Weller is our co-host. And I'm Carter Hill. One of your co-hosts and a contributor to Fifth Quarter. Enjoy your college football weekend, everyone. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gobble em Up podcast, a podcast a part of the Fifth Quarter Sports Network and presented by Duncan Mazda in Blacksburg. A special continuous thanks goes out to our graphic designer, Molly McPherson, our announcer and current voice of the Tulane Green Wave and former voice of Virginia Tech women's basketball and baseball, Andrew Allegretta, and of course, our main editor and producer, Paul Duncan. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.